Oh my goodness, good afternoon. I go, it's morning when I'm recording this, but by the time I'm done babbling and actually put it out, it will be afternoon. So happy afternoon, December the 27th, uh, you know, or part two of the Christmas hangover that I know that we're all experiencing right now. I want to talk about a couple things today. I want to, uh, I want to dive into uh, nuance and comedy for some reason. It's been laid on my heart. <laughs> uh, but before that, uh, in keeping with the, you know, I know it's not Christmas, but it's still kind of the season, you know, till New Year's is over at least. I'm curious, because uh, this is a very polarizing thing I've found. I'm curious from all y'all, I want to hear in the comments, when it is that you take your Christmas decorations down, given you celebrate, right? You know, obviously, given that you celebrate. I want to know when you take your Christmas decorations down. I would also like to know when you put them up. Uh, I'm sure that there's some of you here, uh, maybe Scroogey McScrooges, <laughs> I'm kidding, who don't put them up at all, which is obviously fine, especially if you don't celebrate, you know, but, well, that's a whole other can of worms. Here's my deal. I want them up. <laughs> as soon as Halloween's over <laughs> and and my wife obliges uh pretty much because she don't mind it either but that's just that because and I like I don't like them to come down till about February that's just me and here's my reasoning here's my reasoning because I've talked at length not on this Substack, but just to anyone who will hear me you know when I'm walking down the street I'll meet a stranger and just bring this up um the worst time of the year is January and February because it's cold for no reason. It's just shit weather, but there's nothing to celebrate. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, where I'm from in North Georgia, January and February is really, and, and we're talking late January, February, it's really the only time we experience true cold because, like, it's December. Obviously, it's colder now than it was in the summer, but, like, there's mainly every day this month, were it not raining, I could have easily played golf. E like, easily. Maybe there would be a couple days where, like, it was a little uncomfortable on my hands because they would be a little too cold. But, like, I could do it, wouldn't have any complaints. Now, I haven't because uh, I have a child. And turns out, regardless of what I thought was going to happen, yeah, I don't have time for that shit anymore. <laughs> but, dude, I was so stupid. I was like... I was like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll be able to take care of the kid and still play golf. Like, you know, I get my work done. No, it's all I can do to get my work done and raise the kid. And by the way, I enjoy it more than I do golf. That's not the point. Not the point. So I like for the Christmas decorations to stay up a little bit longer. And one is, is ease of putting it all back up. We just put it all up a little at a time. Instead of having one day where we're like, because we put up a shit ton of Christmas decorations. Instead of having one day completely dedicated to all we do today is put up the Christmas decorations, we spread it out. Just like we spread it out when we're putting them up. Like, first day after Halloween, you know, maybe we just start replacing the candles. Fresh balsam all over the place. And then a couple of the uh, Christmas villages go out. You know what I'm saying? Trees usually last. That's the last thing. Anyways, I just think if you're going to have cold, miserable weather, it may as well be festive in the goddamn house when you get home. And if I'm still seeing a tree and I'm smelling fresh balsam, 
I think that's how you pronounce it. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Then I can trick myself into believing it's still Christmas. I have talked many times on this Substack about using sense to trick my mind into being happier. And if you weren't here for that, one suggestion that I had uh, was that, and by the way, you should wear sunscreen all the time anyways. I'm, I'm told that, that you should wear sunscreen all the time. Um, but sometimes, even when I'm at the house, I'll just put a little sunscreen on my neck and like I'll go outside on my porch and I'll read a book and uh, because I'm, I'm just looking straight down at the book, right, and I smell the sunscreen, I can trick myself into thinking I'm on the beach <laughs> and I get really happy. So anyways, I do the same at Christmas. Uh, that's not the point. Also, fire off in the comments what Santa Claus brought you or what, what you, you know, got your family and friends. I love talking about that stuff. My favorite thing that I got, before I get into what I wanted to talk about on this podcast, on this podcast my favorite thing that I got, I did not know this existed, y'all, but y'all are going to benefit from this because there's no way that I'm not going to make a ton of videos about it. Um, my mother drew my name this year, and among many awesome things that she got me, such as, oh, y'all, I got a La Crusade skillet, oh my God. Um, but she also got me this thing called the spherificator. Now, what the spherificator does is it turns any food that you want, any type of flavor that you want, into little beads of caviar. Y'all, how in the name of God have I never heard of this? So I can just take, there's all these like, there's these like salts and all these, you know, sorts of things that you have to do for the process that you put in there that will turn said food or flavoring into the little spheres but i don't know how the hell my you know up my own butt foodie ass has never heard of this but y'all i have so 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 many ideas for this thing my first thing that i was thinking was i was gonna make some fondant potatoes with a uh what was a garlicky basil uh row like a little garlicky basil caviar thing which i think sounds good and uh also i was thinking that I'm going to make scallops and have a beef broth horseradish row. How's that sound? Huh? Don't that sound amazing? Anywho, uh, so nuance and comedy, right? So something I've noticed over the past couple years, definitely since we started putting on airs, the podcast, which thank you all for listening, which was two years ago. Something I've noticed is that people tend to take someone having an interest in something as them condoning said thing like for example on our podcast which is putting on airs which if you don't know the premise it's me and trey crowder it's two rednecks talking about fancy things right like rolls royces and uh, uh, uh civic civica coffee the cat shit coffee and and yachts and so of course Princes, kings, and queens are going to come up a lot. And because the British royal family has such a rich history to be mined, of course we're going to talk about it a lot. And I am absolutely fascinated with... All, I'm fascinated with all royalty, but British royalty specifically, mainly because that, you know, we have such a historical connection to them. What with us formerly being a colony of their empire... And I'm fascinated by it. And there's so many interesting stories, and it's just absolutely crazy. And like, in like the the amount of that type of opulence 
is so hard for any of us to fathom that I'm very entertained by it, very interested by it. However, I am completely anti-monarchist by a lot. And we've had a lot of people, uh, none of y'all, because y'all are smart, because you're on this substack, and I know I've monitored your behavior from afar, for some reason think that when, that because we talk, like I'll tell an interesting story about Queen Elizabeth, that that means Queen Elizabeth hits for me as a person. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand why people don't get that some something can interest you and entertain you, but you could also condemn its existence, if that makes sense. Like, okay, here's another one for you. That, like, it seems so simple, but, like, I read a lot and watch a lot about World War II and Hitler. Uh, I would guess that there's probably not a person on earth who I would hate more had I lived through his time. Even now, that's how big of a piece of shit he is. Is a hundred years later, still fuck that guy. That's a lasting piece of shit legacy. But it's interesting, and I think the word entertaining throws people maybe a little bit because being entertained by something must mean that you like the thing. But there's a huge difference in liking the subject or being entertained by the subject and, um, I guess, sympathizing with it or sympathizing with the cause or, again, condoning said thing. Now, granted, it's a slippery slope because there are a lot of people, and unfortunately, a lot of people who look and sound just like me, uh, who are really into Hitler, but he does hit for them. <laughs> and they say things such as, you know, he wasn't wrong about everything, which like, okay, technically that is true of anyone walking the earth, but I don't know that I would die on the, uh, he, everything he did wasn't wrong Hitler hill. Doesn't seem like a good hill to die on, you know what I'm saying? And I think another example of that and, and after I say this, I'm going to need you to hang on for a second because I'm going to explain what I understand is the basic science and evolutionary reason behind this. Um, I, let me say this, hate Donald Trump. I wish he would fall down a well into a huge gooey pile of horse doo-doo and it's, you know, it like he dies slowly, suffocate in the doo-doo. Uh, by the way, he trips and falls on his own. Nobody did this. I would never condone that, but he slips and falls into a well, into wet doo-doo, and then is slowly pulled under like quicksand, so he has to smell the doo-doo a lot uh, before eventually being completely encompassed by it and uh, thus being no more, right? That said, uh, every now and then there will be a clip of Trump speaking that will get shared around, that is uh, obviously him saying vile, disgusting, horrible things and stupid things. But they will make me laugh really hard. <laughs> really hard. And again, me laughing at them is not condoning Trump or saying, ha ha, I like this guy. You know what I'm saying? What I'm laughing at is the audacity. The audacity that, holy shit, like, look at him saying the quiet part out loud. And the scientific reason why I think people do this is because, and you don't think about it consciously, but I think that subconsciously this is what's going on. A lot of scientists have theorized, hypothesized, uh, reckoned about, 
<laughs> I guess is the southern way of saying that, reckoned about. Hey, you reckon? Yeah, I reckon too. Was that like the first laugh was, there's like two theories. Uh, first off, the first laugh was, I, I would say more than likely it was because a caveman farted. You know, like, or a caveman's baby farted. Like that would make me laugh. But they said that laughing is often a fear response or it's like a it's like an exertion of relief so like you know caveman sees dinosaur almost bite his head off and he jumps back and it narrowly escapes and because <laughs> that happens sometimes that happens sometimes you know it does like when you step out into traffic on accident and a car gets really close to you and somebody grabs you like you might let out a little oh oh my god and we laugh at people getting hurt and shit oh my god it's because that is, whether it be a defense mechanism or it's just a, again, the only way that we know how to express terror. Because a laugh and a groan are like very close. <laughs> you know what I mean? The action is very close. And also, both of them, for the most part, are completely involuntary. Like you can't, you don't decide I'm going to laugh at this thing. You just laugh at the thing. And I think sometimes with, uh, like, Trump or finding things that are absolutely fucked up funny, which, by the way, I, I hate to tell y'all, but e every comedian is this way, all of them. Like, there's not one that's not. <clears throat> it's unfortunate. Uh, but t Tina Fey, I think, said it best when she said that um, to make an audience laugh, you dress a dude up as an old woman and push him down the stairs. To make a comedian laugh, you push an actual old woman down the stairs. <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's true. Um, and I think it's because like we spend our entire lives trying to be funny for what we think people think is funny, that it changes the bar for what we think is funny. Like things have to be completely, you know, overboard for us to get a laugh because we're desensitized to all regular forms of comedy, I guess. But, again, I think when someone laughs at Trump making a horrible speech, it's almost like a, oh, God, we're fucked and I'm terrified, but this is the only noise that's coming out of me right now. I don't know what the fuck. But, again, finding humor in shitty things does not mean that you condone the behavior of said person because there's plenty of people uh, who laugh at Trump who love the things he said. They're laughing because they think he's owning the libs. Do you know what I'm saying? Whereas me and people like me are laughing because of how dumb the fucking thing he said that came out of his mouth was and how easily tricked all these people are. That makes us laugh. It's like, Jesus Christ, he's not even trying anymore. He just gets up there and starts talking and, and like, dude, he says some funny shit, but he's fucked up and I don't condone it. Am I making sense at all? Maybe I'm not. Uh, I don't know. It's just something, you know, context and nuance. I don't think it's, I won't say it's been lost. I would say it's never existed because I don't really believe much that like, like the world at large has changed, but I don't think, I genuinely don't think people have changed that much. Like everybody talks about like, oh, you know, before Trump came into office, there weren't as many racist people. Dude, yes, there were. They were just like, Jason Bourne sleeper cells who just needed the right words to be said out loud before they were activated. You know what I mean? And like they also say, oh, people were, um, 
people were, you know, they're more sensitive nowadays. I disagree. I just think that they all have platforms with which to express their sensitivity and outrage on certain things. Like, dude, if Twitter existed in the 60s, you don't think there'd be a lot of people fucking going off about the Vietnam War and John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy and Malcolm... Like, you really don't think that? I know y'all don't. Again, I'm not talking to y'all. Y'all are the smart ones. They say, you know, the same thing about nobody has a sense of humor anymore. You can't say anything anymore. And I would like... By the way, me and every comedian I know have been talking about this for years, but Cliff Nesteroff, uh, the brilliant writer and comedy historian, has just put out a new book called Outrageous. And uh, this he's not paying me to say this. This was not the point of this podcast. But I would like to say, if you want to really <laughs> read more into what I'm about to say, I could not recommend Outrageous enough. The whole book is about how, like throughout and I know I knew that Cliff was going to do this shit because for the past two years see he wrote this book called The Comedians that's in my opinion the best book on comedy that's ever been written it it goes from the vaudeville times up until present times I've read it four or five times every comedian I know has it um I've bought several copies and have constantly given them away to anyone who hasn't read it but for the past two years on his account he's been sharing these newspaper clips from throughout history that basically show like no people were uh just as easily offended back in the day it's just that you had to go to the newspaper to find it you couldn't just get on twitter like people talking about richard pryor's act and groucho marx i think the book starts with like a quote from groucho marx talking about like when groucho marx was in his 40s so we're talking like I don't know, what is that, the 50s or 60s, talking about how no one could say anything anymore and how everything was politically correct. But the people of today who are saying you can't say anything anymore, they were alive during that time and thought that that was the time when you could say everything. So my point is, is it never changes. And, and he also brings up the fact that I've talked about on stage that like, you know what true censorship is, is Lenny Bruce and George Carlin getting thrown in jail and literally having their cabaret cards revoked for cursing. Just for cursing. Not saying slurs, just the word damn or shit. And so anybody that says, you, you know, you can't say anything anymore is ridiculous. We, you know, and Cliff makes this point as well. Like, we probably live in the greatest time. No, not probably. 100% we live in the greatest time for artistic free expression. It's just that we also live in a time where anyone has the, everybody has always been a critic, but we live in a time where everyone has the same machine in their pocket, a phone, and they can publicly be a critic. Before now, that was not possible. So comedians, you did an act and you got a review in the paper that said you were good and you just assumed everybody thought you were good. There were plenty of people that went home pissed off at the gay joke you told. Plenty of people. They just didn't have anywhere to voice it and now they do. And that's a double-edged sword. It's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. Because, yes, dude, I see it all the time with my videos and some of my jokes on stage. There are 100% people in this world who live to be mad at stuff. They make up reasons to be mad at stuff. All I'm saying is that those people have always existed. <laughs> those people have existed since the dawn of time. I don't think people have changed that much. I just think that with the Internet and with 
you know, I don't know, what is it, being in late stage capitalism has changed how the world works, but the people within it are still people. Evolution ain't that goddamn fast on a human level. On a societal level, it's way faster. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't think it's that people change. I think it's just that enough people who have always believed these things finally get together and change some shit. Um, you know, now obviously like the zeitgeist, like morals in the zeitgeist change. Much like, dude, when I was a kid, dude, when I first started doing comedy, like it was nothing to say a homophobic slur on stage. I did it because we were like, <clears throat> we were all conditioned. And we really believed this, by the way. We truly believed this. Was like, no, 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 no. It, it's not about gay people. It, it, saying that is not making fun of gay people. It's making fun of your buddy for, you know, <laughs> being a little queer or something. You know what I mean? Louie used to have a bit on it that was like, you know, I would never call a gay person the F word. You call your buddy the F word when he's being an F word. And like, I was like, yeah, I mean, that's totally true. And, and that was totally, like, I've said that on stage. It was fine. Um, but only because when I first started doing stand-up, there was no Twitter. Dude, if I, Twitter existed and I'd have done it, there would be people. And by the way, when those people explained to me, like, hey, I know you think this is fine, but it's not, and here's why, I would hope, I know I have the ability now, but I would hope that I had the ability then to be like, oh, shit, damn, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. But, like, you're right, uh, and I won't anymore. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's totally, that's a fine... Like, we've also, I don't think, lost the ability, but we've never had the ability. And Twitter has made it more prevalent, like, to, like, allow people to grow up and move on. Now, like, if, you know, you get called out on something and you double down, I mean, you know, fuck you. But, like, I do think there's room in the world still for, like, holy shit, I made a mistake. I, that didn't even cross my mind. And um, I won't do it anymore. For instance, um, <laughs> because, like, words are crazy. And we live in more of a global society now. And, like, when we started POA, I genuinely didn't know that when you said, oh, he gypped me, that that was a racial slur against the gypsies. The reason I didn't know that is because in America, we don't know a lot about the gypsies because that's not our culture. That's European stuff. I had no idea. And uh, we said it on a podcast, not thinking, got called out for it. And I will say the person was being very respectful. They said the right thing, which was like, hey, guys, Y'all are from America, so you probably don't know. And then they explained it, and we were like, you're correct. We did not know, and now we won't say it anymore. There's some people who would never have accepted us saying, we didn't know, we won't do it anymore. They would have been like, fuck these people forever. Uh, because they did this one thing that they were completely ignorant of, they now shouldn't have a career, and blah, blah, blah. blah. Of course those people exist. I just think they did in the 60s, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Is this thing on? Am I crazy? I don't know why I went into Seinfeld there. Anyways, uh, wow. I've just been thinking a lot about stand-up comedy lately because I've done quite a bit of it this month, more so than I have in a while since the baby. And speaking of which, if you're listening to this, that means that I'm at the Gray Eagle in Asheville, North Carolina, tomorrow night with my buddies Good Cop, Rad Cop, and you should come see me. You can get tickets on the Gray Eagle website, I believe it's thegrayeagle.com, I believe, I'll try to look it up, <laughs> I might forget by the time I get through talking, uh, but I'm super fun, uh, excited, and also on stage, I will not be proselytizing about uh, comedy, I will be just doing it, 
You know what I mean? I'll just be being funny. I don't give TED Talks, baby. I do jokes. <laughs> and I love my jokes. And uh, if you saw me in Asheville uh, earlier this year, these will be new jokes. And here's why. I've had a baby since then. So the old jokes don't really work, buddy. And I'm fine with that. I love it. I like moving on with my life. Anyways, I'll be there with my buddies, Good Cop, Rad Cop. They're a hilarious comedy band, and I hope to see you there. And thank you for being subscribers to this Substack. I hope that you enjoyed the Chickalooky Christmas Carol as much as I enjoyed making it. And uh, if you did, let me know in the comments. I'd like some encouragement so uh, so that I'll, <laughs> I'll have the stones to do another one. I also got to figure out what my next one's going to be because, you know, there's not a holiday coming up. I mean, I don't have time to do a New Year's one. I should have done that. I should have planned fucking ahead. I'd like to sing Old Lang Syne like Colonel Cornbread. Okay. I got to get out of here. I love y'all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.